God of the universe, maker of the stars, who am I? All right. Hey, folks, welcome to uh, the next episode as we are getting this thing kicked off. We're super excited to be joining us here today. It's going to be Mike Clayton. He's going to be talking about his testimony and Ryan Cribs and Daniel Clayton. We're uh, super excited to bring this episode to you. And we uh, it's been a uh, this week has been kind of something, guys. And I'm uh, I'm excited to see what we got going on for this episode. And last episode was awesome. We had a great talk. I Felt mm-hmm. like it was cut short like all these other times. It feels like it's just being <laughs> cut short, but it's okay. We're going to have a great episode today. We're going to have some awesome, uh, I know that we're going to bring up some awesome topics that are really going to speak to you, the listener, the in a really positive way, and we're hoping that you be encouraged. So yeah. um, I'm going to throw it off here to Mike and just see if he wants to take away with this or if we want to maybe do any housekeeping uh, before. <laughs> Uh, basic housekeeping is this uh everybody if you would share this with one person mm. okay i mean that's yes. all it takes share yes. it with one person mm-hmm. and uh let it go from there so we really we really need your help in getting this out we're going to be coming up on the feast of tabernacles pretty soon mm-hmm. and so uh you're going to be around a lot of people and you can make the whole feast of tabernacles about talking about life on purpose <laughs> uh what do you there think you about go. that mr cribs you want to do that at light at uh, elijah clark Sure. Yeah. Just, just every day. You know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) We'll make you a shirt. You can just wear the shirt all week. Exactly. Exactly. It'll be like, you need to wash that. I'll be like, no, I have, I have eight shirts. Yeah. You know. (laughs) Oh, for your eight day camping trip, right? Yeah. I'll do the same on my but you know, my is going to be pretty much me and my family and a, and a new baby, but I'll make sure to tell the new baby, like, all about it. Hey, Daniel, uh, you mentioned new baby and uh, you froze up the whole internet. So what's up with that? Oh, well, you know what? Sometimes it doesn't take much to freeze the internet, especially when you live out in the country. So (laughs) yeah, I was just saying, you know, I will, I'll tell that new baby all about it. But no, we're expecting uh, number four, uh, which surprises a lot of people. But in the messianic world, it doesn't really surprise anyone, Um, (laughs) which is kind of nice. Um, so yeah, number four is on the way. Uh, awesome. We are past the 37 week mark. So it's kind of, you know, within a few weeks we're expecting. Yeah. yeah. Excited. Might just have a Sukkot baby. Yeah. Pro- yeah. Cool. That'd be nice. That'd be cool. You never know. Well, hey guys, it, it's, it's finally my turn. It's my turn. You, uh, you know, it's <laughs> like they, they say age before beauty. So where does that leave me? You're, you're beautiful, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because you know you, you let the old guy go last, right? So uh, you know, we were just paving the way. We were like, you know, uh, we, you know, we were reverse pioneering it or something like that. Re- reverse. Okay, okay. So uh, I I grew up uh, in a in a broken home, uh, poor <laughs> broken home. And, and I was thinking about this this today as I was kind of considering all this. That uh, though I broke I. I I grew up in a house that um, my mother and father divorced when I was very young and we really didn't have anything. I never knew that. Um, My mother never let on uh, about all these things, you know, and I look back at at it now and I see, you know, just the situation that we were in with my father leaving and and then getting divorced and all those things. So um, my my childhood is very loving and um, it revolved a lot around going to church of all things. I, I went to a Baptist church in Jacksonville, Florida. 
Uh, we went like, you know, four to 400 times a week, something like that. Uh, we went to, I, I did, you know, Sunday school and big church and, and uh, training union and Royal Rangers and evening church. And I, I, I figured out that I couldn't sing while in the, uh, the youth choir, but they needed warm bodies up there. So they just never turned my microphone on, I don't think. Um, so I, I grew up in that kind of a setting. And uh, so religion, you know, vacation Bible school, all of those things, it was just a part of my life. And I'm, I'm very thankful for the foundation that I got in those days of the Bible stories about Bible characters. But, you know, that's kind of how I was taught these, these Bible stories of Bible characters, you know, very similar to, you know, the stories in the comic books about characters. Um, I, I wasn't really taught about that these were real people. And that was a revelation that came to me later on. These were real people that went through real life experiences. And when you start reading the scripture from that aspect, all of a sudden the scripture becomes relevant to you. And mm -hmm. that was the key that was missing for me growing up is that the this, this church experience, this religious experience, this Bible experience, I didn't see the relevance of it. And, and then I got my eyes on, you know, people that were talking about it, but not doing anything, you know, they were, they were like talking about the, the scripture and how they should live it. But what I saw outside of Sundays was, was a bit different. Um, you guys wouldn't have ever seen something like that, you know, even like in the Messianic world, would you? No, I was wondering. Yeah, I'm yeah. yeah, well, <laughs> in there, Mike. That I relate to that so much as a as a young person. That was I always thought of the uh, Bible stories as just stories. Uh, I'm trying to remember some of the uh, cartoons that I used to watch, and I would always think of the Bible in that kind of term. So it really wasn't I, like that. You're talking about like it wasn't real. When do when were do you know when it was when that switch or that light bulb started clicking off? When it was like, wait a minute, these aren't just stories. This is for real. I don't know if you said that when you're like how old you were around when it just seemed to click was it teenager yeah. years or no it, it was really a funny thing because they were telling me that it was bible stories of bible characters and somehow within me I, and i i've never been able to figure this out okay it was like i i got this dna portion of me that i've i've never been able to trace back real well um you know they're talking about bible stories bible characters and i'm like wait a minute these were real people and, and i want to know more about them mm -hmm. but it just something just wasn't quite clicking i i knew that there was more to it i see uh and, and I, I don't want this to sound in any way arrogant um but there was there was something about my life growing up in my the religious or spiritual part of my life that I just knew things, and I don't I, know how I knew them. Gotcha. Um, okay. You know, it was like my my mother of blessed memory. Uh, she brought home an album from the Mormon Tabernacle Mormon Tabernacle Choir. And this is, you know, back in the day there, Ryan, of, of albums, you're into that kind of stuff. And she brought home this album and she put it on the record player. And I'm like, but I don't really, I don't think that that's, that's, there's something wrong there. You know, I don't, I don't know. Okay. Something has just been there with me through the years.
and some so, intuition, gut feeling, stuff like something like that that you yeah. just had. It just you never know any different. I got no, it, it's like you know, I always knew that God was there. Okay, and I remember sitting in this this Baptist church, and I, we're talking about you know we were the poor people in this thing. This is marble. the 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 steps leading up to it were marble. And uh, we had a lot of wealthy people in that side of, of Jacksonville that, uh, you know, that, that were that were our friends. And um, I remember sitting there one day on a pew and a guy, a friend of mine, it was evening. This guy's name was Connor and he was getting baptized. Now, the baptismal was up in like the nosebleed section. It was this thing had to be, you know, 50 or 60 feet up behind the pastor and all in the, in the holy man chairs and all that kind of stuff in the choir loft. And uh, I, I, I saw him get baptized and I looked at my mother and I said, I want to do that. Okay. So I'm meeting with the pastor and he walked me through, I guess, Romans, you know, the Roman road or something. And, and I got baptized or, or did I get wet? Uh, <laughs> I've never quite been able to figure that thing out. You know, was that a commitment that the father saw? Because it wasn't many years after that, that I walked out the, the, the church door never to go back. Mm. I mean, I, I always had this fear of God and this respect for God. And I, I always knew that he was, that, that he was there, but I couldn't figure out the relevance and Here's what you I, think about this, if I can break in for a yeah. second, you know, because it feels like, um, you know, Ryan, something you say, uh, you know, pretty frequently that I, you know, scriptural term, you know, deep calls to deep. And so, mm. you know, it feels like there's this pattern through a lot of our lives where, you know, we can look back in hindsight and see like, okay, God was really with me as a child here, as a teenager here, as a young adult here. And, you know, finally now with a relationship, I can see him. And so to me, as you're saying it right now, it feels like those two things are very intertwined because, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like, you know, maybe as a child, deep was calling to deep. There was something calling you to do this significant thing, even if you didn't understand it. And, you know, the enemy is always watching for mm -hmm. those who have a seed planted. And so to me, it sounds like it was something you know, I would venture to say, and, you know, the enemy saw his opportunity to jump in and, you know, whisper those things that would cause you to walk out the door. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I went for, you know, I went through a lot of years uh, of my life up until uh, really from the age of about, you know, 13, 14 up to about 28, you know, I mean, I was actually one of you at one time. And uh, <laughs> I, it was during those years that I became really bitter at religion. And Daniel probably knows this, I, I probably still am. But uh, I, I was really bitter at, at re regarding people that said that they were, you know, somebody said they were going to church, or they were a Christian or something. Uh, I, I would challenge them. And I got really good at it. I got really good at challenging their faith. And for all of those years, I never met a single man that I couldn't tear down. Uh, that that you know I couldn't bring to the place of well you know maybe you're not really living exactly what you're saying you're living kind of thing. Um, and, and I I mean I don't say that in a uh, in a prideful manner of the way that I tore down people, but I I could I I got really good at it. 
until I met a man in Alaska. I, I was in uh, Alaska. Uh, actually, was a, a realtor up there. Uh, I, I'd just come out of air traffic control and went into real estate and had some other things going on. And I met a, a man up there, and uh, we got into a business together. And in that business together, one of the stipulations that he had was that you had to come to his house once a week for Bible study. <laughs> you know, uh, we had had our our, our first uh, child by then, uh, you know, Daniel's old, Daniel's sister. And something happens when women, sometimes when women have children, they want to go back to church or, you know, got to gotta get in, in tune with these spiritual things, right? So we started going to a little Nazarene church. Kathy was raised Nazarene. Uh, we started going to a Nazarene church in Eagle River, Alaska. And uh, they, you know, they asked if we wanted to become members, and Kathy said, yeah. And I remember going there for the members' interview. And again, I, I say this a little ashamed, but uh, I, I made sure that the pack of cigarettes was in my shirt pocket where they could see it, okay? Um, I, I made sure that they knew that my life was not really what that book that they're talking about was. And in the end of the meeting, you know, one of them asked, uh, said, uh, you know, well, well, tell us about your relationship with God. And I, it, this is so funny because uh, Daniel's mom, Kathy, says to the, says to the, says this, well, Mike has a relationship with God that's very deep. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, it's so deep, I can't find it. <laughs> uh, to make matters worse, guys, they accepted me as a member of their church, mm. which means I lost total respect. Mm. Because anyone that would accept me as a member of their church, I really didn't want to be a part of. Right. This is just my life, okay? Mm -hmm. But I met this guy, this uh, this guy Jeff up in uh, up in Alaska, and about that time. Uh, how I say it is this, my grandmother's, uh, my grandmother's prayers caught up with me. Uh, youth, your greatest blessing and worst enemy is a praying grandmother. That's true. Because That's right. she, she had been praying yeah. and uh, her prayers caught up with me and I'll, I'll make the whole thing pretty, pretty uh, short here, but uh, my life fell apart. Our lives fell apart. Uh, we ended up in Tucson, Arizona, living there, and life got worse and worse and worse until one day I finally, uh, it was my moment. And I looked up to the heavens and I said, God, I've made a mess of my life. If there's anything you can do with it, it's yours. Uh, that was my sinner's prayer. Mm -hmm. And it was the transformation. Uh, Kathy says jokingly, but it kind of a little truth in this, that uh, it was like uh, Saul of Tar Tarsus walked out the door and uh, Paul the Apostle walked back in. Wow. Uh, I was just, you know, my life was totally transformed. Uh, everything about my life, my language, my habits, uh, which were many, uh, everything changed. And we started going to a, a Nazarene church, and there I met someone that would be instrumental in my life in ways that I still look at. Um, again, I'm 28 years old, 
And one of the gentlemen that was in that church was 84. And God put us together in a relationship of, we, we I call him my spiritual playmate. Uh, John Faust was the one that the father used. And I would go to John's house. Kathy was going to school at night. Um, and I would go to John's house and we would sit and we would talk about God. And we would open the scriptures and we would pray together. And it was in those days that it, these were my early days of, of that born again experience with God. And I'm so thankful. I guess that maybe, maybe that's the reason that I've been searching for a way to do this multi-generational thing. Mm -hmm. Because I wouldn't be where I am today had it not been for John Faust. Yeah. I, I, I have his Bible. I preached his funeral. My wife said, here, uh, this is his number one possession. And, and Daniel, see that Bible. I mean, it's, it's uh, the, the pages. He was a Sears mechanic. You just don't think about the guy that's putting your diehard battery in your car as, as being real spiritual. Uh, he, he, he prayed, he read, he would, he stayed up all night. One night I was, I was actually, uh, being an usher, you know, I, 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 I had to do something. And so they made me an usher and John walked in the church one Sunday morning and I was back at the door. I knew which door he was going to come in. So that's the door I always went to. And I, I watched, I saw him. And when he opened the door, uh, he had this old suit on that didn't fit real well, uh, really out of date, you know, big wide tie and stuff. It came through the door and he was crying. And he walked over toward me and he said, oh, brother Mike, he says, I've been praying for you all night. Now, now guys, you've probably heard people say, I've been praying for you. Mm -hmm. and, and it was kind of like, you know, as they were, it was right after the, the, uh, the, the words, now I lay me down to sleep, you know, bless David covert. Um, you know, that's kind of how a lot of people do it. Right. John had been up praying for me all night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he said to me today, God has told me that today he's going to give you the desires of your heart. Guys, I didn't know what those desires were. Right. I had no clue. Wow. He said, when they open the altar today for prayer, meet me there. And, and I won't go into the whole story, but let me tell you this. God met me. Wow. See, I'd been looking for something all of my life. Even when I was selling real estate in Alaska, I remember sitting down with a friend of mine and we were, we were successful. I've, I've made a lot of money in my life. Uh, I've, I've been successful at various things and real estate was one of them. But I remember looking at a friend of mine that was about the same age. And I said, is this all there is in life? There's got to be something. There's got to be, listen to me, there's got to be a purpose <laughs> greater than this. Mm -hmm. I walked out of that church that day and I looked at my wife and I said, the world the world looks different. Mm -hmm. And I said, what I experienced there with John, I said, that's what I've been looking for my whole life. Wow. Wow. I, I wanted there, to, oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
So I, I wanted to chime in on how long do you think it was from, because I, I really think that there was a huge, there's a huge thing there with, uh, and I've noticed this in others where um, that cynicalness or that, um, especially towards like organized religion, right? Like you were just completely organized religion. You say this, but then your actions speak otherwise. I can get you 300 different ways and I'm going to get you. And I'm going to prove to you that you're really not what you say you are. How long do you think it was until like that, that period of time where you were just like, it was maybe, maybe the best way would be to describe it is like a anger. And then all of a sudden that, like you said, there was that moment where it just, it just started switching. And then people were really after you for you to see the love of God, where then you weren't so focused on other people, like focus on like, well, they're not really who they say they are. Mm -hmm. Do you think, do you have like a timeline of how long that was? Like, was it a long period of time, like of going through and struggling with things or? It's never left me, David. Uh, I still have that. And Daniel could probably explain this more because he knows me better than anybody on the program here. Mm -hmm. I still have that same skepticism and cynical attitude of people that talk about it, but don't do it. Right. Okay. See, that is the essence to me of religion. And, and here's, here's the transition I had to make. You've got to, at some point, leave the religion to others and pick up the relationship for yourself. That's a solid point. Yeah, yeah it is. I like that. That's, that's definitely a profound statement there. Mm -hmm. One thing to break into here as well, because I know this, this affected me in my story, uh, and I'm hearing it in, in your story, Mike, uh, that it was when you found that person that had already walked through some things in life. They were older, they were wiser, they had gone, you know, been through a lot of the, some of the cares this world has to offer and seen what this life has to offer mm. and had developed a, a mature relationship with the father. And that's one of the, the issues that I am seeing um, in our present day is oftentimes we see groups of people who will get together with people of a similar age and a similar mindset. And the danger of that is it becomes an echo chamber because nobody's walked, actually walked through it and ha, you know, has a solution. Yeah. You're the sum of the five people you hang around with. Mm -hmm. So they say, uh, another statistic is that your income will reflect within a certain percentage of the people, the top five people you hang out with. True. So if you're the smartest person in the room, it may be time to find a new friend group. Mm -hmm. you know, and if you're you the can... oldest person in the room um, yeah as well know, that exactly yeah i i yeah it was part of my testimony to say is that uh so i'm an only child and uh, that explains a little bit about how i act why i act like i do but uh my growing up in my neighborhood in, in jacksonville uh, the youngest person in my neighborhood between the ages of, of birth and eight years old, we moved somewhere else. The youngest person in that neighborhood was in their 60s. Yeah. I learned to relate to older people better right. than I do to younger people. I've had to learn how to do this. See, after I went through, you know, different churches and various places, the father took us. And in 1993, my grandmother died. 
And uh, she had grown up in Wakulla County, Florida, just south of Tallahassee. I went back to do her funeral, and I really felt like the father was asking me to, I'd been studying for ministry, and I believed that he had, he was directing me to that. And at the funeral, uh, a friend of mine, well, I got to meet him, the pastor said, you know, we have an opening here for a youth pastor, Uh, why don't you put in a resume? And now understand that I'm related to most everybody in the church. Okay, my grandmother was a founding member of that church. And so we want you to put in a, a resume to be the youth pastor of this church. Uh, what what's the chances that's like a shoe in? You right. know, that that's like uh we just need to go through the formalities of of you putting in the, the resume here, but the job's really yours. Uh here's the funny the ironic thing of life. The I, I've owned numerous businesses, I've been in real estate air traffic control, various things in life. The only job that I was ever turned down for in my life is youth pastor. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, uh, he uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. I've always thought that was That's a true. personal verse. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I ended up finding this or this church, this little church in uh, in North Florida. There was 14 people there. Is a Southern Baptist church, and uh, I was actually ordained in a charismatic church and then in a Southern Baptist church at the same time. That's crazy, but um, we uh, we start. I I I moved there. Uh, that's where Daniel was born, mm-hmm. and uh, we we started pastoring this church. There was fourteen people there in the church until I started preaching, and uh, we had what I call a Gideon revival. A lot of people decided to go back home. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, let me uh let me chime in on something real quick yeah. before you before you move on i just want to kind of revisit something because you know what you're describing with your relationship with john faust is probably just under like a unicorn sighting in our current age um, not only because of the age range but also just because of the non-personal world we live in that was you know multiplied by covid um, where, you know, we went from, you know, where, you know, my generation is already kind of not really, uh, relating to, or, uh, you know, talking with or interacting with the older generation, you know, less is becoming less and less. And then COVID hits and all of a sudden you're not talking to anyone, you know, just depending on who you are and what your beliefs were about the whole right. thing and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, um, something you, you taught me a lot growing up, dad is, if you want to know what God is doing in your life, look at the people he's surrounding you with. Yeah. And yeah. it's so, so true because, you know, it could be true for your job, your career, or, you know, who you need to be like for you was John of who you need to help you grow in your spiritual walk with him. Um, you know, so it could be career. It could be your faith. It could be your health. It could be all sorts of things. Um, and the COVID lockdown mindset is so restrictive in that way it's going to you're not going to be able to see in that way what god is doing in your life because he uses people i mean we as people are his hands and feet and so i just want to encourage someone with that hopefully that you need to have your eyes open to people which is going to be really really hard in the day and age we live in like we don't want to talk to people we don't want to look at people we don't want to interact with them but and, you know, obviously I'm, you know, overarching things a lot on mm-hmm. purpose right now, but,
But, you know, I also want to, you know, encourage anyone, like if you're still locked in the fear of, of COVID or anything that was surrounding that, I really pray that you are released from that fear and that you are able to walk in wisdom and peace and that the love of Yeshua, like just yeah. enraptures you to where you can look at people with love and like realize that God is using people mm-hmm. in your walk and that you're going to have to open up and get out there, even if it's, you know, and it's going to be unexpected. It's going to be like, you know, I never would have thought that was the person God was going to use to like bring me out of this situation. Yeah. And then listening, you know, I, I, I've said uh, on a thought for the day that I do, if you think, uh, you know, social media is for those who aren't. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Buck the system guys, buck the system. Uh, you know, God is, God is not into social distancing. He doesn't, he doesn't social distance with you. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't want us to do that with others either. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the fine art of communicating, there's nothing like, there, there's nothing like being in a room with like-minded people praying together. I mean, Daniel knows that from Life Assembly. Guys, you know that whenever we're together speaking somewhere, you guys are worshiping. Uh, I normally grab you and say, hey, let's go pray. Yes. There, there's nothing like that moment. Yeah. yeah. And and I learned that. I learned that with John. I learned that was other older men in the church that I would get there early in the morning and pray with them. Uh, those are special moments of life. And so, you know, we started building this church, and uh, it was then that I went to Israel for the first time, 1998. I went to to Israel for uh, uh, a um, uh, it was a we were on the it was a pastor's fam trip. We were on the ground for five days. You got a, a shirt that said "I ran where Yeshua walked." Uh, you didn't really get the T-shirt. There wasn't enough time. <laughs> but uh, that was that was I went as a one-time experience in my life. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to go to Israel one time in my life, and I'm, I did that, and I just got back from my 30th trip, and I'm planning for my 31st right now. So Israel, Israel did not change my life, um, and I've been in places all through the years that people say, well, you know, this meeting is going to change your life, and then this one's going to change your life, and this one, it, 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 it's kind of like a, a termite and a wooden yo-yo, uh, <laughs> all these experiences of life that are going to change you is it's imagine a termite and a wooden yo-yo he's you know going up and down not really sure what direction he's going in at any time but eating himself out of the house and home while he's doing it um israel did not change my life israel would define my life and my love for the land of israel for the jewish people it, it's 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 irrational okay i know this it's irrational but what's irrational is that the first time that I read the scripture, this is 1986. So I, I, you know, I had this famous prayer of, you know, God, if there's anything you do in my life, I figured the best thing for me to do at that moment was to do something I'd never done for myself. And that was to read the Bible. <laughs> yeah. What a novel idea. So I grabbed a Bible and uh, this was King James back, th- back in the day. And Nobody was there to teach me, to tell me to start in the book of John. So I did something just really silly. I started in Genesis. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Call me crazy. But uh, 
I remember sitting there in a, uh, this is BD before Daniel. Uh, I was sitting in an apartment reading the scripture and I said, uh, I, I, I put it down the coffee table. And I said, that's it. And my wife goes, what? She's in the kitchen. I said, that's it. And she's like, what? And I said, I know. And she's like coming in the kitchen, in the living room going, what are you talking about? And I said, I figured out why this book is true. I'd grown up Southern Baptist in the South. I'd never met a Jew. I looked at her and said, the reason I know that this book is true is because there's Jews in Israel. Where did that come from? Who has thoughts like that? But that's what put me on this road to, to Israel, for love for the Jewish people, a love for the Torah, a love for the word, and now to try to pass the baton of my life onto a rising generation. And that's my story. How about that? You remind me of a, a dear friend of ours, Nathan Stanley, yeah. says, uh, if you want to know if this is the true religion, it's right in the name of the land. It is real. <laughs> there you go. I like that. Simple. I'll steal that probably by tomorrow. Yeah. yeah there you go. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, I've heard you say this a lot, of, you know, many, many times, but, you know, you say that going to Israel for the first time didn't change your life, it defined your life. Um, you know, could you like, this is a loaded question. <laughs> could you condense, like, you know, just for people who, you know, this is the first time maybe they've heard this kind of concept, like, why, why is Israel, why does it make something in you come alive? Like, you know, obviously, you know, those who of us that have been know that you walk around and you see things and, you know, it makes the scriptures come to life because you're actually seeing where these things happened. But, you know, what, when you say it defined your life, like, what does that mean? It's where this book was written. It's, it's the culture that it was written to. Uh, when I was in, I, I didn't even go to Bible school, guys, sorry. Uh, I went through a few courses at uh, in Berean correspondence courses, Berean Bible College, uh, Assembly of God. And the only reason I passed the test is because it was open book. Uh, I wasn't the best student in the world. In fact, I, I graduated like number uh, 27 in my class. There was 619 in my graduating class in high school. I was number 27 uh, from the bottom. <laughs> so... I was never a real good student, mm -hmm. but uh, they thought I was stupid. It just, I didn't see the relevance to what they were saying. See, that's me. That's my personality. If you want me to do something, you got to show me the relevance. I have lived by one word in this life. And that's why I am not rebellious, but I am a renegade in that. If you show me why I should do something, Daniel knows this, nothing's going to stop me. But if you can't show me why, don't even bother asking. The Bible becomes relevant in Israel as far as there's things about the word that I now understand that I never could. Uh, to, to 
be on the Sea of Galilee and then read the parables of the Sea of Galilee. Mm-hmm. To be there in in pruning the vines in Israel, not 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 in California, but in Israel, pruning the vines in Israel, harvesting the grapes in Israel, and then going back and reading the parable that Yeshua talked about the vineyard. And then there's this simple little fact that when I grew up, we used to sing the song "I'll Fly Away, O Glory." Mm-hmm. And to the sweet by and by, and I've got a mansion over the hillside and all these things. And it was kind of like that record that my mother brought home. It never made sense. Mm. It never made sense. And I opened the scripture and I went, wait a minute. The millennium is in Israel. Mm-hmm. We're not going to heaven. We're going to Israel. Yep. And then right. I read Isaiah 66 and it says, from one new moon to another and one Shabbat to another, we, they will come to worship me, says Adonai. And I'm like, okay, the only place in the universe you see the new moon is on the, is on the earth. Right. And the only place that you have a seven-day cycle is on the earth. So that means that God created the earth for mankind. And, and the book of Psalms says he, he created the heavens for himself. And he created the earth for mankind. I think this is Psalm 115. And the problem that man has had for all these years is we wanted what God what God made for himself. We're like a bunch of children in a sandbox. You know, not wanting my toy. I want somebody else's toy. And so when I go to the land, it there there's a part of it, Daniel, you know this. There's a part of this I can't explain. Yeah, because yeah, sorry, it was a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you know that I can't explain it because something when I stepped into the land of Israel, something reached up and grabbed me. Mm-hmm. And it took a part of me. Or it gave me a part of me. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was, but when I leave there, whatever it gave me or took from me, whatever it had to stay there. And so I go back over and over again to visit me. until the millennium when me and me will come together as one (laughs) okay and and everybody watching on the podcast listening on the podcast is like this guy is totally crazy i know that (laughs) okay (laughs) i know that i'm just proving it in public in public (laughs) it's that longing right so when you're leaving you're longing to return back home that that sense of you've left your your part of yourself really it's yourself and that's like i just need to go visit myself i remember you said that once it was like wow that's that is kind of the concept you leave with it's like this is this is the destination when you get to go over there and see it this is the destination mm-hmm. and the final result it's the and word it's like, home david yeah exactly i know where yeah. home is exactly yeah. you know i i don't watch a lot of movies but you know et like you know home mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I know we're home. You know, what's the, what's the, the, the movie with the dog, the two dogs, the cat, Daniel, uh, homeward bound, homeward bound. Yeah. yeah. Home, home. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like the, the dumb dog there. Um, I know where home is, but if you, if you read the scriptures and you, you look at Ruth and Boaz, Ruth's transition was, where was home? Mm-hmm. You, you read the book of Jonah. Mm-hmm. Of all places, Jonah. Jonah is in the belly of a fish. And let me show you how weird I am. I believe that 
to be true. Mm. He was in the belly of a fish, and the scripture says, read, read, go back and read it. It's only four chapters. Mm -hmm. He says, I will once again look upon your holy temple. Mm -hmm. why, did the, why did the fish vomit him out on the shore? Because mm -hmm. he figured out where home was. He remembered where home was. And, you know, I, I think, you know, some, something in life that, you know, we'll never be able to explain. And, you know, we're hitting on it right here is like, we go through life and we experience these moments, you know, whether you are a believer or not, you experience these moments where there's something happening inside of you that it's, you cannot describe it. Like I, I, the moment I heard this the most was actually after the last solar eclipse, um, because we had one roll right through, like we literally in our backyard, we're looking yeah. up at it and me as a believer, you know, that was one of the most ethereal, surreal experiences I've ever imagined. Like mm -hmm. I, it was, it was incredible. And I've talked to people and I've talked to people who have talked to people and there are non-believers who in that moment, when they saw the solar eclipse, they were like, I feel like I need to like repent or something. <laughs> and so, you know, it was so like, it's so big that you can't mm -hmm. describe it. And and there's these moments riddled throughout our life that we just can't describe, but the something happens inside of you. And we're always trying to like get back to that. And so what we're describing right now is that there are those experiences that are emotional, that are spiritual, but everything like that goes hand in hand with the physical. And Israel is the place where the physical and the spiritual meet. Like that that uh, scene with Jacob's ladder, um, uh, but, you know, mm -hmm. the, that account that is, I believe, a real thing where that is where the spiritual is coming down and meeting the physical, um, you know, call me crazy too, but you know, that's just crazy. Yeah. It's, and I would say it's definitely not crazy because I've had, I've myself went there and I've heard others talk about what you guys are both talking about. There's something different there. Um, even my parents, when they went there the first time, when I was talking about my testimony, everyone else just went there just to, uh, like what Mike said, uh, walk it uh where uh run where yeshua walked and they just went to the sightseeing places they did their thing but if you were able to just pause mm -hmm. pause in the moment that you're in right the moment where you read about it you read about it you read about it, but now you pause as you're there it's like something comes out of the land and grabs you yeah. and it's I, I about to say like the thing that always reminded me of is that there was 12 spies sent in right there was these spies that were sent into the land 10 came back going oh we're, it, there's no way it's impossible to though we're like this is it we gotta mm -hmm. go come on let's go let's 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 gird up our loins let's do this thing let's we're so excited we're so ready for this the land grabbed them it was like yep we're, we're home let's go let's do this we've been out in the desert for quite a bit of time let's get going here yeah. and everyone else just saw it as just hard work and yeah i know and I, I mean i'm planning for the next trip and uh i, I just had a couple of cancellations so if you uh you know you knew you know like mm -hmm. people that want to go i could probably fit them in on the tour <laughs> boy that, was, was that subtle I was going to throw you a bone there anyway. I was going to throw you a little bone. Hey, there is some people that do some uh, tours there. You know, you might want to check them out. <laughs> might have heard of them. Yeah. Hey guys, we got about ten minutes, so we're we're not going to go to a scripture today. We're going to go to a chapter, and that is in Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight. And uh, let's just run around this uh, for a few minutes. Of we're talking about relevance. Um, so Deuteronomy twenty-eight is the blessing and the curses. And, you know, my idea at one point was that God is just up there in the heavens, kind of like, you know, 
ha ha ha. Yeah, if uh, you know, I'm just waiting for them to do something wrong so I can, you know, smack them on the side of the head or something like that. Uh, how do you see this thing? We have, you know, we have one part of the book and the other part of the book. And I would just assume, in fact, I try to, when I go through it, I don't even like to read the second part of Deuteronomy 28 because I don't want to even have to have a, a clue about what those things are. I just want to live in the, the first part. So mm -hmm. uh, you know, how, do you, how do you look at this thing, the blessing and the curses? So if I may, uh, I was speaking with a gentleman the other day and one of the things that came up was the idea of, of expectations in a relationship. Uh, and the unfortunate thing was it, it had caused not putting, placing forth those expectations had caused a rift between this gentleman and, and in his relationship. And what I was saying is uh, it, it struck me how God has uh, obviously given us free will. Yeah. He gave you the free will, Mike, to, to question and to, you know, to seek and, and to uh, try to find the, the why. Why should I do this? Why should right. I serve you, right? But within that, he outlines his expectations of, if you choose to serve me, then these are my expectations. So I, I to me, it's not more than, uh, it's not as if he's sitting up there, you know, like, a, like we're ants and he's got the magnifying glass. It's that he's laying out these things. If you want to serve me and you want to obtain my blessing and you want to walk in these, here's the outline. And it's, it's as plain as, and simple to me as, as that. Wow. Very cut and dry. I'm about to, I'm going to jump off of that there too. When we, we, uh, we discussed this actually a few weeks ago, there was a topic or something brought up in uh, Deuteronomy 28 came out and Tony actually had a, uh, great point this and that's our uh, father-in-law if you do not know uh, Tony Boyack and uh, he mentioned something he was like reading because like I, I agree with you Mike I don't like reading the second part of 282 I don't like that I don't like hearing how the curses are happening I don't like that I, I don't want nothing to do with that but brought up a point of hey if you find yourself in finding yourself relating to some of the things they're talking about that might be something to check yourself with, especially as we're in the month of a rule right now, where it's a, it's a month of reflection. It's a month of trying to clean house, trying to find things. And that's what I would encourage you to look at is if you are reading the bad part of this, the cursing part, then check yourself because if you can fix that, then you're going to be in the blessing because that's what he's basically outlining. If you're doing all this stuff and you're doing this with a, with a joyful heart, these things will chase after you. That's that's what I think I love about the most is that idea that these things are not just going to be withheld from you. They're going to come to you. They will be there. They work, they, the blessings are going to overtake you and rain at season, uh, all these things. And then not just the rain just in the physical sense, but the rain that you're getting in the spiritual sense. Mm -hmm. Like Mike, you talked about where you, I, th those are the moments I live for what you talked about, Mike, in your testimony, that whole idea of meet me at the altar. Yeah. Like when you're, when you're, when you're, uh, what would you say? You said your spiritual playmate told you yeah. that. That that's something that is such a concept of being overtaken by his reign, like overtaken in that mm -hmm. mercy and grace that you 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 did you knew was talked about, but actually experiencing it, mm -hmm. and then those blessings chasing after you, and then if it's if there's something is bad, then 
it's just there to bring you back just to course correct course correct just line back up just say steer back steer back get back on path so that, that's why i'm at with the blessing like those blessings are really awesome if you read those like that's what i want i'll put those blessings mm-hmm. um you know i think all of us have probably had conversations with people at one time or another where you know you mentioned something like this chapter or something like if you do x then y will happen you know if you obey you will be blessed if you disobey then you know some maybe some not so blessed things might happen um but you know there's always the side where you know someone could be like well i'm doing the right things and i'm i'm obeying but like my life is a wreck and so you know there's there's always the caveats and you know maybe we'll get in those to those for another show but yeah. you know for now we'll just leave it as we live in a fallen world and not everything is as it should be so mm-hmm. that being said you know, you talk about the blessings of this chapter and I mean, they're spectacular and the scripture is, you know, rife with them. They're all over the place. You know, these blessings, like if you obey, if you do this, you know, Proverbs talks a lot about it. Like if you are diligent, it will bring forth a harvest, you know, all these sorts of things. And, you know, it's, I, I think that there's certain things that you just don't understand, or at least bring up a new understanding when when you have children and you know i have you know three with the fourth on the way and honestly i i am always like waiting like watching them waiting for them to do something right because like i'm like you know so i can like reward them because nothing makes me want to reward them more than when I see them like doing the things either that I told them or doing it without me saying. And, you know, one quick example is, um, you know, my, my oldest Ruben, we went to uh, an orchard yesterday and, you know, buying some fresh apples and whatever. And all, all on his own, like he asked me, he's like, dad, I need to go get a quarter from my, my money jar to give to the lady at the orchard. Like, this generous act of like, he just, you know, he has this, you know, money when, you know, we give him stuff if he, you know, uh, does chores or whatever that like that. But I mean, there, and there's been so many times when of his own free will, he just wants to give his money. Like, and you know what that makes me want to do? Give him more money, you know, that kind of thing. And I believe the same concept is true with God. Like he is a loving father and nothing makes him happier than to see his children blessing each other and serving each other and you know one other aspect of this is like you could say well this was written to the children of israel this was written to a specific people at a specific time and that's true but you know what it's really written to is the children of god like the people that he has chosen and if you read the rest of scripture you will find we are his children you know if we have followed yeshua and that kind of thing you know we are his children and these concepts apply to us so yeah i wanted to just just make another point that you're saying there i think that that's one of my favorite parts as it gets closer to the end of deuteronomy is right before we get to it which is the end of 26 i have it highlighted starred everything because i think it's just so amazing how by simply putting this little statement god's basically opening it up like crazy the this is this day is not just for you. I'm paraphrasing. This day is not just for you, but it's for those who are here with us today and those who are not with yeah. us here today. To me, it's just like 
it preaches on its own That's there's the it's yep. so much depth to it like i we're briefly mentioning all these blessing and curses mm-hmm. but man if you actually really investigate each and every one of those which i challenge you to on your mm-hmm. own to sit there and look at the blessing and then the like curse and then see how it's really a history store when you look at the curses i guess it's a little little nugget there but there's so much stuff involved in that and if you look in that it's it is talking about you it is going right to you and he's actually speaking like uh, again like i said last week mike understanding that this bible is the bible wasn't just written as a book of stories or like you talked about when you're young that it's just a, a book of characters that that you think of as a cartoon or like some movie like as we watch movies so much now no this is this is a recording of actual people actual people that walked it out actual people that had to suffer and deal with these things and god goes no he was actually back then he's actually seeing you in his mind's eye he's actually seeing you as he's saying these things the blessing and the curses with you in mind too so that was something that always just made me just like wow that it made it it was that it was like a little personal connection which there's lots of them in the bible but that one was for me, was such a big one. It's like that is the personal connection right there. Yeah. That's that he's speaking directly to me. He's we're reading about this, but then he's speaking directly, directly into my ears. Life changes when you find your own name in the book. Yeah. When you find your name, and when you read that verse that that David just read, understand you were there. That's that's Moshe under the inspiration of God talking to you. It's, you're not an obscure person. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. again, and I, I, I'm going to close every show with this probably. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 29. Mm-hmm. I know the plans I have for you, says the Creator. Plans for good and not evil, mm-hmm. to give you a life, a future, a hope, a purpose. And that's what we want to speak into your lives that every one of you have purpose. So live life on purpose. See you next week, guys. See ya. See ya. Go find your spiritual playmates. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. They're out there somewhere.